Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. Welcome everyone. My name is Jill Munro from Emerging Minds. This episode explores the impacts of adversity on children and families and what's helpful for practitioners to keep in mind that will be helpful in supporting parents to support their children's social and emotional well-being and resilience. So we're joined by Christine Watson from Camira Alcohol and Other Drug Treatment Services in New South Wales. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Jill. It would be lovely to start off just by finding out a little about your role there at Camira. As you said, I'm the clinical director at Camira Alcohol and Other Drug Treatment Services, and I'm responsible basically for the ongoing development and implementation of our residential rehabilitation service for women with their accompanying children to address issues of substance dependency. I imagine the families that you work with obviously experience a lot of significant adversity Yes. So most of our clients have experienced complex trauma, whether that be childhood interpersonal trauma or neglect, and and most also have histories of family and domestic violence relationships as adults. Our Aboriginal clients who make up between 30 and 60% of our admissions through the year, they have a whole other dimension of trauma in areas of culture, uh, institutional and social discrimination. We currently also have about 30% pregnant women and uh, they have also their trauma stories to tell and most of our women actually have had multiple children removed from their care and each time that happens it's another successive trauma for them and you know it, it speaks to that whole problem of intergenerational trauma that happens with families where there's this history of children being removed and then those children having their own difficulties growing up and then they again become parents who are at risk of having their own children removed and that cycle just goes on and on but our current cohort um, apart from our um, pregnant ladies the other women are all engaged in processes to have at least one of their children return to their care. So that's a really common, I guess, motivation for women to seek treatment. So they're very keen to overcome all the life obstacles that they've had in order to cherish that little one that they are trying to get back. Amazing work. Can you just talk to us a little about what you've noticed about the impacts of adversity on children in the families that you see? Yes, so the children that have remained in the care of of their parents who have been substance using, they've often missed out on a really close emotional connection with mum. Mum has her own trauma history, so she's perhaps been emotionally disconnected anyway, but when we layer in the substance use, which takes them even a greater emotional distance from their children, So that's if the children are in mum's care, but if the kids have already been taken from mum's care, well, then that's another rupture in their lives. And so the children are are coping then with being taken out of a familiar circumstance, being put into sometimes a number of successive temporary placements. And so what we see is these little children have problems with connection, problems with emotional expression, problems with regulating their emotions, but huge issues around trust. So pretty important for practitioners to think about these impacts of adversity on children in the family. 
I imagine you would say, and to have some idea how to work with parents in ways that will support children's resilience and social and emotional well-being. Yes, we have children presenting as anxious or depressed. They could be really clingy with mum or at the other end of the spectrum. They're, um, I would say, offer indiscriminate affection because they haven't got that close attachment with mum. And so it's really so important to work with the parents and the children to improve their relationship to really help with that attachment and as practitioners we need to be aware of that fundamental um, ruptures that have occurred for whatever reason and work with that because a mum who is attached to her child in a really secure way is going to keep that child safe and a child who feels safe and supported and connected to mum is going to be more resilient in overcoming life's challenges. So it it is really important, as you say, to be aware of that. But also we need to be aware that people who have experienced severe adversity throughout their life have so many poorer outcomes in life than most people would appreciate. So they actually have a lot more physical illnesses, are much more likely to die early, they're more likely to have a high suicide rate, more likely to have complex mental health issues, more likely to have problems with concentration or learning, and so therefore they don't do well in the education system, which affects their ability for employment um, and then financial security. And so all of this, if we don't address all of that, it just perpetuates into um, lives that people don't see any improvement. You know, we can throw different supports at people, but if we can't really work with these fundamental things, we're not really going to support them at a level that will make a difference in their life. And what we want to do is change the whole trajectory of that child's life by doing the intervention with them and with the parents. And we have to engage with women in a way that they're able to feel supported but not lack agency. We need to value and respect their knowledge and experience. And and we have to give them hope that there is a way out of their current circumstances. And it's a clear pathway and it's supported and having like a, a web network to catch them if they're struggling. So that really old saying of, you know, you need a community to raise a family. You need a community to lift families out of poverty and disadvantage. Wow, that it really speaks to things like, you know, the intergenerationality of adversity as well, doesn't it? What you've just said there. I was going to ask you, you, you mentioned something about the importance of that parent-child relationship, Chris. So could you tell us just a little bit more about ways in which you, you work to sort of strengthen that relationship and build a bit of parenting confidence? We try to always be very respectful with a woman when we're working with her around parenting because it is such a sensitive area. People feel so judged in that area and we normalise their experience. Like we would say, you know, given the history, you know, how could we expect things to be very much different to that? And we can see how things have gotten to to where they are, but also to let them see that it's never too late to make changes. And 
by coming to Chimera, they're exactly doing what they need to do. They're making a positive choice by choosing recovery. And we also try and foster development of compassion, compassion for themselves, because there's so much guilt and shame that goes along um, with substance use when you're a parent or when you're pregnant and also having compassion for their child. So um, we use a lot of humour when we can and we just really help reframe circumstances so that mum's able to see that beautiful little child in front of them rather than the behaviours that might be happening at the moment. So working with a mum's values and her parenting strengths, we're then able to really support that relationship between them and it all centres around having that really strong attachment with their child. If things are going well there, then mum's able to um, focus on these other areas that are going to make her life and her child's life better. So we do a lot of work with um, building trust, trust building in the relationship between the parent and the child because that's often been affected by mum maybe being inconsistent or or emotionally distant. So we do trust building and also educating mums and helping them see the value of child-led play, you know, um, Unfortunately, most people don't really know how to be a parent until they're suddenly a parent and expected to know everything. And so there's a huge educational component of our program and we run attachment-based groups for the women. And that is such a great learning opportunity for the women because it's women experiencing similar challenges being able to support each other and shared experiences without judgment. And that's so important. People will shut down if they feel judged. And so being able to work with them, you know, in that group way, as well as the one-on-one support, we actually have a dedicated parenting team to deliver that program, but also a, a dedicated attachment specialist who uses TheraPlay to work with the mum and, and the child around really working on that attachment that um, that might need some repair there. And, you know, really working on strengthening the relationship and building enjoyment in the shared activities because that enjoyment is something that when women have been in addiction, that ability of them to experience joy in the simple things of life becomes diminished. And so we're really working to build that finding joy in the interaction with your child and taking away some of the fears that they have about not being the good enough parent that's coming out of their shame from the past. And then what we see with the children then is they, when they're more secure, behaviorally, um, they, they want to please mum. And they also much more settled if mum's not as available, if mum has to do something, the child's not so anxious. And so life becomes easier for mum. I love the way you speak so sort of joyfully almost, Chris. You know, it's so such a strength, hope-filled kind of optimistic approach that you take. And I think that's probably at odds with how many people would actually consider this kind of work to be. So it's lovely to hear that coming through in the way that you talk and the importance of it in finding that optimistic approach. Yes, and I think your comment come, you know, comes out of this whole stigma that goes along with people who have challenges in parenting. So for our clients, it's around drug and alcohol, but it's not just drug and alcohol because there's all that other stuff that goes with it. But every mum wants to be the best mum they can and every mum loves her child. They might be frightened of their child's emotions or, or they may feel that they 
you know, they don't have their skills and they may feel insecure, but that's all coming out of their own past experience. And so if we can bring them together, it's just so wonderful to see the changes, you know, and to see mum change from someone who is barely managing her own mood, um, let alone trying to calm her child. Because what we see at first is, we have the child become dysregulated and mum can't cope. So she dysregulates along with the child and that leads to all sorts of problems for both mum and the child. But with the work that we do, we're able to see a child become dysregulated and mum be able to manage to stay calm herself and offer that secure hands to to hold the space for the child and then the child's able to then feel safe and secure and and calm down and it's just lovely to see that and just seeing the relationship grow that's lovely you actually I was going to ask you more about emotions and you know we know that parents can be so triggered by children's behaviors and emotions also, I think it's it's difficult for many practitioners to sort of ask parents about their children's behaviours and how they manage behaviours. It's something that I think perhaps practitioners that don't work as directly as you do with parents and children would find difficult to kind of approach or broach that subject. So I'm just wondering if you can talk to us just a little bit more about how you work with parents around building their understanding of their children's emotions and behaviours. It is a really sensitive thing, as you say, to talk to a mum about how she is with her children. And particularly for our clients who have experienced the children being removed from their care and being put into out-of-home care. So there's not a lot of trust at first with agencies. But we're in a pretty unique situation here at Camira where we're spending a great deal of time with our clients. Like they're here 24 hours a day for between five and seven months working with their child. So, you know, we get the chance to see uh, lots of the challenges and we're able to normalise it and take away the shame that goes along with that because when the judgment's not there, it's just a conversation about normal kid behaviour and even if it's not so very normal, we're able to see that it's it's normal in the circumstances. And there's a because there's such a focus here on mums and, and kids, you know, the general conversation is often around that. So the women do lots of groups around parenting. And so the conversations, I guess, are easier. So they're familiar with the circle of security concept. So we're able to open up about conversations relating to a child's behaviours and emotions and relate it to the needs on the circle. So the mum's not feeling judged. It's not about what she's doing or not doing well. It's about sitting beside the mum more or less and we're looking together, you know, where, where's my child on the circle at the moment? Are they out exploring? Are they coming in for support? It's just such a gift to be able to do the educational component alongside of the practical work with them. Mums often actually are quite disconnected from their own emotions, so we're able to work with mum's disconnection as well so that she's able to then settle her child so we can talk to mum about that we can normalize her own disconnection because of her past trauma and what that's like for her and then we can kind of lead the conversation around to so you're feeling this what do you think that's like for your child when you're like that 
And so they get to put themselves in their children's shoes and look out through their children's eyes. And that makes a difference to be able to look through a different lens about what's happening um, either as a result of what mum's doing or what the child may be feeling. So mum then learns not to escalate along with the child. She learns to be the hands that hold the child when they're needed and to help the child de-escalate. And we also do a lot of work around helping mum observe, uh, I guess what I would say, what the messaging is behind the behaviour. So rather than mum thinking there's something wrong with my child because they're doing that or my child doesn't like me or they wouldn't do that, to seeing, okay, there's an unmet need here and my child has very few words and very little power and this is the only way that they can let me know um, how they're feeling in the moment. And then they learn, okay, well, if my child's feeling this, I can validate that to my child. And so we really coach the women in picking up the cues and then verbalising, oh, you look, you're looking really sad at the moment or, um, oh, wow, you're so excited because we're going to the park. So we're teaching mum all the time to label the emotions in conversation so that the child then learns to identify their own emotions as well. So there's lots and lots of things we do. But a big part of our program also is based on sensory perception. So we actually do assessments with the mum for her sensory preferences and also assessments with the children for their sensory preferences. And so a lot of the work we do with building attachment but also learning to manage difficult emotions is done from a sensory level. So for one child, you know, pushing around a heavy truck helps them feel better but another child it might be touching something that has a, a soft and fluffy texture and so we're able to tailor the interventions according to the sensory preferences of the child as well for our mums with children in out-of-home care we are also working with them on how to talk to their children about the situation part of the program of tuning into kids is the emotional um, identification but this other program that we run which is keeping connected is about how can mums stay connected to children that aren't in their care and how can they have the conversations with them that they want to have with them and that the children need to hear so it's such broad work but it's so important that each mum recognizes that you know she's one of many with shared experiences but she's also an individual with an individual experience and tailoring a program to help her respond to her experiences. I mean it's just so interesting Chris to hear you talk I don't even want to interrupt you I could just keep listening to be <laughs> honest but um, you talked a little bit there about the emotional stuff which is just fantastic you know and helping parents better understand the behaviors um, as not just acting out or being naughty or something, but these are unmet needs kind of Absolutely. thing. Yeah, so that's fabulous. And around the communication with children, you know, you touched on that as well, you know, how children can be supported to express how they're feeling better. And I also wonder how you work with parents around having perhaps those more challenging conversations where things haven't gone quite right, where a parent has had a, a reaction that they feel sorry about. And if you could talk to us a little around that. Yes, and we always say to the mums, the conversations need to be age appropriate. 
So for a young child, mum can model to that child, oh, we all make mistakes. I'm really sorry I was so cranky. Uh, Mum didn't sleep very well last night. And it's not your fault that mum's feeling this way and just really normal. And it helps the child realise that all emotions are normal, but it it gives a context whether the child might experience mum's communication in a negative or upsetting way, but then mum's able to come back and repair the rupture by saying, hey, look, it wasn't you, it wasn't really your fault, mum's having a bad time around this or that, and mum taking the responsibility so the child's not bearing the burden. For older children, you know, they can give a bit more detail and context to it, but it's great modelling for the little ones because they learn then to own that they have emotions, but also that sometimes they might be sorry about what their emotions led them to do or say. Um, I'm just thinking of practitioners who work in more mainstream settings. And one of the areas that I thought might be easier is around routines and rituals. We know that that can be a real sort of stabilising factor to help children feel more secure. And I'm just wondering if you do much work around that. And if so, what you can tell us about that. Routine is king, or, or as we would say here at Camira Queen, because it is so important. Our mums have come from usually fairly chaotic backgrounds. They've, you know, they've had a lot of adverse experiences, and often, you know, they haven't had very secure lives. They may have been couch surfing. Um, it's all the problems that come along with substance use. So, and particularly for intergenerational trauma maybe mum has never had a really good routine at any time in her life and the children haven't had a routine either but if they have had a routine that has worked with them we try and keep that going in a modified version at Chimera we don't want to reinvent the wheel for something that's already working however as a residential facility there's this bigger structure around routine um, just so that we can function as an agency that the women obviously need to fit into. But within that, the parenting team meets with the mum and comes up with a daily routine. And that might include getting the child ready and taking them to daycare in the morning and picking them up in the afternoon, or if the child is younger, what they would do during the day, how they would plan that out, how they'll get to and from appointments, what food they're going to cook or serve and uh, all of those sorts of things. And we try and keep it fairly consistent. Children feel more secure when there is consistency, but also anyone who has experienced trauma also finds reassurance through consistency. So routine is a really important support for the women. And it's quite common for them to say, oh, I really didn't like being told how I had to do something uh, when I first came in, that I actually had to, you know, have breakfast at a set time but now I can really see how freeing it is to have a routine and and how well the children adapt to that so I guess part of our ongoing treatment with the women is planning for a workable routine for when they leave Chimera and you know it needs to have enough structure that is going to work for them but enough flexibility that they're able to adapt to the challenges to that routine that will come up. We're very collaborative around our routines because, you know, we need to rely on the expertise of the mums about what their needs are and what works best for them. And, you know, and they know their children better than we do. And I guess routines can also be those more simple things such as, you know, every Tuesday afternoon we 
take the dog to the park or, or whatever, you know, so those more simple routines for birthdays, we always have a chocolate cake or something, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And kids just love it and they'll pull us up on it if we're going out of routine, you know, they, they let us know, oh, no, this is when we do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely. And you've talked a lot about the importance of peer groups there and support groups and just how powerful that can be for women to realise that they are not alone in um, feeling the way that they feel and some of the experiences that they've had may be common across these groups. So yeah, I'd just be interested in hearing a little bit more about the importance of these sorts of supports in women's lives, but also in children's lives. One of the main things about the groups is we were able to deliver a whole lot of information that the women would not have known. But obviously what they get from the group, apart from the knowledge, is acceptance and shared experience and they're not judged. And so it's women supporting women and there's that real sense of solidarity that they can get from working in a group. And also they get to brainstorm and I guess they get to see other perspectives. And that's a really important thing in life to be able to see beyond one's own perspective. And so they also learn to cultivate more empathy for themselves because they're hearing other people's stories, but also, um, you know, growing empathy for others. So it helps with the building of empathy and compassion so that they get their knowledge base and then they get support. And it's, you know, it's often the beginning of ongoing support past um, treatment where they're able to keep in contact with these women out in the community later to be able to have that ongoing support, which is often missing in women's lives. And I guess many women, as you've mentioned, they um, haven't really had that. They haven't really got a strong network of support at all. Absolutely. Their supports outside when they first come in are often very strained. Like If they've come from a family that has had intergenerational um, substance use, it's unlikely that the immediate family can offer very much support. Their capacity to support is reduced. But also, even in quite functional families, when a mum has substance problems, there's a lot of shame that comes along with that and a lot of judgment. And so it really strains the fabric of the families who um, may be very judgmental of this mum or feel judge themselves because there's someone in their family with a substance problem. So, you know, judgments from family and friends can be very isolating. Coming from domestic and family violence relationships has really impacted a woman's faith in herself and her faith in her own reality. Intimate partner violence also often involves isolating women from family supports and friend supports. So it is really important for women to either rebuild the relationships that have been damaged that can be supportive or to find a new network of supports. And I mean, agencies are great supports, but they will never replace that web in the community of friends. So if we can get mums to a play group, that's great because they're making new connections. If we can get mums out to the park, meeting other mums, that's great. So there's a lot of work to be done. There's the, the repair work of the mum with her own child that she has here, but there's that broader repair with their family or the realisation of 
actually I need stronger boundaries around certain relationships now and I do love these people they've been in my life but I can see that if I stay close to these people my life's not going to improve and the life of my children aren't going to improve so it's working with the women around you know what's a healthy relationship and how can I develop that for for myself and my child but I think if we are able to show the women support without judgment and model those healthy boundaries to them we might be the very first relationship that they've had that is perhaps not abusive or negligent in some way it's a whole new thing for them to have supportive relationships yeah and that first relationship with the practitioner then can be that sort of springboard into having the confidence to join some of these groups in the wider community then i guess yes and also being able to have a a process where they're able to connect with those groups in a safe way because they're in a very supported environment at Chimera and we don't want to just push them out the door and say okay good luck now Um, so you know we start getting them involved with outside groups whilst they're here so it's a transition from the amount of support they get from us and then the connections that they're having outside and you talked about play groups and parks and so on Chris because I imagine the supports are just as important for the child as well particularly when they leave the um, comfort of Kamira and go out into the big wide world again that there's that support for the child as well as the mother it's absolutely fundamental that a child needs supports that having just one person other than mum that they can rely on makes a big difference in their ability to build resilience. So having that one person that can offer that praise to them, that person who's very biased in their favour, you know, those sorts of connections can really help build resilience. And so we need our children to be connecting with people in the community that can affirm them and keep them safe, but also they need to be able to learn to relate in healthy ways with other people and they can start that child-to-child level. Wow, that's been so interesting hearing you talk, Chris. I mean, we've just about finished my questions, really, and you've just covered everything and more than I could possibly have asked. But um, I'm just wondering if there was anything else that you wanted to add or any other thoughts or dilemmas that you think might be interesting for other practitioners to hear when working with parents to support their children and children's mental health? I think that what's been implicit in our conversations, but I haven't actually said, is that mum needs to be stable. And that includes her mental health. So everything the mum will do or will fail to do is often dependent on her state. And so if mum's mental health can be supported, if she can manage that, well, then she has a pretty good chance of being able to do everything else that we've spoken about today. So particularly with our cohort of women who've used substances quite often to create emotional distance from past events or current challenges that they might have, or, you know, people would call that self-medicating perhaps. But these stressors in their life are also the things that could take them back into substance use that will then again affect their quality of life affect their relationships with their children and totally destroy their mental health so we really do need to help mum 
recognize where her mental health is at and do what she needs to do in order to keep it stable so for some it might be um, a medication review and for others it's learning about self-care and for everybody it's about developing healthy relationships and supports so having that supportive social web can really help mum maintain um, the mental health that she needs in order to cope Working in the drug and alcohol field, I would say, you know, people say, well, what leads to to relapse? And I, I would say, well, you know what? It's not being able to handle stress. And quite often the stress is related to relationships, but it's not being able to manage stress. It's not having that level of resilience to be able to cope with life's challenges that will lead a woman perhaps back to um, using substances to cope. And if she can maintain her mental health, her resilience will be able to kick in and help her manage. Well, that's uh, really been interesting talking to you, Chris. Can't thank you enough for spending the time to join us today. And I think there's just so much food for thought in what you've said. So thanks again, Chris, and we will say goodbye for now. Thanks, Jill. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, led by Emerging Minds. The National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.